On March 13, 2020, Brianna Taylor was killed in her own home by police officers. The officers involved in the shooting are on administrative leave, but as of this recording, none have been charged with a crime. Today, June 5th, would have been her 27th birthday. The Birthday for Brianna campaign was created to offer concrete steps we can take to commemorate her life and fight for her to get justice. The link is in the show notes. Welcome to Stories for Change, an offshoot of my podcast where I share the history and stories that have helped me overcome my own prejudices, as well as speak to those who have successfully helped others overcome their own. On Stories with Sapphire, I love sharing stories about Filipino culture, but it no longer feels appropriate to continue doing so without addressing our community's issues with colorism and anti-blackness. This is my way of learning how to handle these conversations better with certain family members who disagree with me, and I hope hearing other people's stories helps you start these difficult conversations as well. Recently, I saw a post where someone stated that trying to change your racist family member is not the place to spend your energy right now because they'll believe what they want to believe and arguing with them is useless. And while I agree that it may not be the most pressing matter, it is still important. Yes, there are people who will remain stubborn to the end, but there are plenty of people who are our friends and family who, with the right strategy, can be awakened. My first guest, we'll call her Lily, used to get into screaming matches with her family whenever political issues came up. But that hasn't happened in the last year and a half. So what changed? She'll explain how she was able to get through to her once stubborn parents and how their relationship has changed once her parents turned off Fox News. Yes, so I'm 1.5 generation Filipina American. I was born in the Philippines and then I moved here to the United States when I was seven years old. You know, I've been here for decades. <laughs> so I know growing up, I mean, looking back, some of my relatives, my family members have said some pretty, you know, inappropriate things, um, particularly about you know, like Igorot tribe in the Philippines. She corrected herself later and actually meant to say the Aita tribe, not Igorot. Basically, like indigenous our indigenous cultures in the Philippines who are of um, have darker skin and curly hair. And then, as far as like skin color hierarchy, I know that my mom and my aunties, my lolas, would say something about going out in the sun. I think a lot of us have experienced this. <laughs> Stay away from the sun, or you're gonna get too dark. And here's some skin lightening cream <laughs> that that works wonders. So. If you're darker skinned, then you must be like for for me anyway, I was darker skinned. So like they would say, stay away from, you know, the sun so that people don't think you're the maid's daughter. I think a lot of it is uh, colonization from um, it was probably set when Spaniards came, you know, light skinned people. But then it's really reinforced when we were occupied by, you know, the United States. So light skin, light skin is, is better. Even the hiring practices in the Philippines, you know, revolves, well, kind of like if you have lighter skin, you know, you'll probably most likely to get hired. If you have darker skin, you are considered lower class. 
This type of colorism in the Filipino community is dangerous because it carries over to our attitudes among other races. It also creates identity issues and anxiety for Filipinos as well. I was you know, dyeing my hair blonde and trying to get light skin and putting on blue eye contacts in my teens. Like I did not really realize how much I internalized it until I was much older. So um, I, I don't think it, I really knew what was happening, but I did not like it when they would say stuff about other people, like especially when we moved here to the United States. Since I'm staying anonymous, like my mom would say stuff like, don't ever marry a black guy, you know, that kind of, like marry a white guy so you'd have better looking children, basically. That's <laughs> what wow. was said to me. So they can go back to the Philippines and like become movie stars because all our actors over there are very light skinned, even though. Most of us are not. The fact that I knew exactly what she was talking about is indicative of how common these types of horrific comments are among Filipinos. As a kid, I thought this was normal, and it has affected who I chose to date and how often I stayed in the sun. There's a reason three out of five Filipinos are vitamin D deficient, myself included, until a few months ago. So Lily's dad was the first of the family to move to the U.S., He was able to live here as a businessman tourist under his father-in-law's company and obtained his citizenship by joining the U.S. Army. Five years later, the rest of Lily's family followed. They were accepted as visiting tourists due to her grandmother's well-traveled background as one of Imelda Marcus's blue ladies. Oh, like, I remember what I think really got to me was undocumented Mexicans like, oh, that's so wrong for of them. And I'm like, mom, like we were undocumented. <laughs> like we came here, overstayed our welcome. A lot of Filipinos have done that. It, and yet, like, it's not okay for Mexicans. Oh, but we flew over here. Like, yeah, it's still completely illegal. Like, you know. We are all guilty of hypocrisy to some degree, whether we know it or not. We don't see ourselves as hypocrites because we rationalize these discrepancies. It isn't until an outside party points these out that we begin to examine our thinking. It's embarrassing to admit that we're wrong, but this is why having these conversations is important. Our beliefs need to be challenged and analyzed. That's how we evolve. So, after years of being in the military, Lily's dad began working for the Wall Street Journal. When he'd come home early every morning, he'd have the latest edition of the paper. It was a point of pride for Lily's parents to have the newspaper before everyone else in the country. After years of reading the Wall Street Journal, they became avid viewers of Rupert Murdoch's other media outlet, Fox News. Lily consistently butted heads with her parents about everything. In 2001, she attended an anti-war march, and her former military dad couldn't understand what she was protesting. He told her that it's human nature to have wars and that she should be grateful the U.S. is so powerful. As Lily reached her 30s, the comments her parents made had escalated. Build the wall so we can keep all the criminals Black out. Black people are just too lazy to get themselves out of their situation. Racism doesn't exist. Look at them killing each Adam other. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You've heard it all before. And all of this tension had culminated into one evening about three years ago. Lily's parents were over at her house in Kentucky, and her dad made a racially charged comment that upset her. So basically, my husband's like, "Not you're not saying that at our house. 
you need to leave if you're going to continue with that. And of course, like my dad being Filipino, he's like, you don't talk to me that way. <laughs> I can say what I want. I have my opinions. And I just, yeah, it was basically like we had to go, okay, we need to stop this right now before like we say anything we regret. But, you know, and I don't want to kick my parents out of the house in the middle of the night. So let's just like squash this. But yeah, they did end up squashing that. Not only did Lily clash with her parents politically, but religiously as well. She is an atheist, and her parents are devout Catholics. Long story short, so they've known I've, I've been an atheist forever. So anything I said about anything, really, they didn't take seriously. It, it has a lot to do with, like, you don't believe in God, so what do we care what you think about life, you know? Like, so we were just complete opposites when it came to religion and politics, the same thing. and. It wasn't until I was like, okay, I need to reconcile this. Like, I need to figure this out because this Catholicism, as much as I don't like it, it is a part of my culture. Like, over 80% of Filipinos are Catholic. The Santo Nino, like, all these things that I, you know, remember about the Philippines, a lot of it had to do with Catholicism. So it's like, like, me going to Catholic church is like a semblance of home. But anyway, I... I was like, I need to, I need to figure out how to like make peace with this. And so I started learning more about Catholicism. And at the time I worked at Xavier University in Cincinnati and I decided to take some theology classes and I started to enjoy them because theology is not like you have a, bi- a bunch of Bible thumpers, which I thought that's what was going to happen, but it wasn't at all. It was like, we are questioning everything about religion. We are going to question everything. And if it's not, if it doesn't seem morally right, but then the Catholic church is te- teaching it, we need to find a way to change the system. You know, like I loved everything about it because everything like that I think about uh, Catholicism as an atheist is what theologians are doing which I had no idea that's what was happening. So I started to learn more about Catholics and like that's when I started learning about all these theologian activists and nuns and um, sisters in the Philippines that are pro-LGBTQ rights. Come to find out there's so many people that are trying to change a lot of the racist and sexist and you know homophobic practices. <laughs> so I would share that. I started sharing like everything that I learned with my parents. And then I started writing pieces for Christians, like to read, to, to like kind of get where I'm coming from, as far as like, hey, I think as Christians need to be more open, <laughs> more to- you know, tolerant of people. My parents started listening to me because I was actually learning from who they, they thought were thought leaders, like Catholics. Lily felt she was getting nowhere with her parents as an atheist. But once she began sharing what she learned in her theology classes, they paid attention to the information she had to offer because they respected the source, priests and theology professors. And so I would just like quote them. I learned to speak their language. I wrote a piece about eradicating skin color hierarchy, uh, being comfortable in my own skin. And that was like a cover page of a Christian magazine. It was like a huge deal. And my dad like bought 19 copies and then he showed like all of his coworkers and all the stuff that was in there is about indigenous Filipinos, like how we like skin whitening cream. I mean, we need to like, that's like a multi-billion dollar company and Filipinos are like the largest buyers. Like he really 
was proud of that piece because before when I interviewed him about skin color, he said, that's just, oh, it's just a preference. Like, you know, like you, if you like blonde hair and blue eyes, it's just a preference. I'm like, no, but that's internalized. There's a lot beneath all of that, you know, like we think this way because years and years of, of oppression of making of, you know, lighter skinned people be acting like they're better than darker skinned people. I mean, we've, we've internalized all of that. So now that Lily has found a way to reach her father, how are their conversations now? Oh, gosh, it's great. <laughs> Before, when Lily would get on the phone with her parents, she would brace herself for the ensuing arguments to come. You're kind of just like already waiting for it. This is in the past, but now the conversations, I'm just like, what? This is awesome. <laughs> just, now they're speaking my language, I guess. Like yesterday, I was talking to my mom and she, I was like, what is she going to say about what's happening? She's like, oh, you know, people are protesting and rallying. And I was like, oh, you're not calling it riot? Wow. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of an uprising. And she was like, yeah. Um, even my dad, I was like, I was at, just talking to him last night. You know, do you still watch Fox News? He's like, no. <laughs> because first he figured out, like, Trump really is an idiot. There are members in my family who are hardcore Trump supporters that I would love to also come to this same conclusion. So I asked Lily how her once Trump-loving dad was able to. I should have asked him directly because, I mean, it was kind of a gradual process. It was slow but sudden. Does that make sense? Like, I think I'm trying to remember what he would say. Like, he's a smart businessman. At least he's telling the truth. Like, all the, what about all the shit that he says about women and blah, blah. And he's like, at least he's honest. <laughs> like, he went from, like, the last thing I heard him, him t- say about Trump is, like, all that stuff about him being a smart business guy to, oh, he's such an idiot. He's running this country to the ground. It's just like the 60s. We're just regressing. I think a lot of it has to do first with not watching Fox as much anymore because of some of the pieces that I wrote. Like I started writing in Christian spaces a lot and he would read them. And so, like, because he's hearing me, right? And he's reading other articles within the magazine, which is pretty progressive. And then he's hearing what they say on Fox. And so I think the more he started to believe me and like all the Christian, like progressives, the less he started listening to Fox. Once I started giving them more resources from nuns, like here is this nun that I know she wrote this piece and here you go, <laughs> like this is what she thinks about stuff. Like this is extreme. Like there were just a lot of things that happened where, you know, I worked at a university so I could take theology classes for free. For example, like not everyone had that, has that luxury I mean, it, it can be really irritating if <laughs> you're hardcore because, like, being involved in um, these, like, Christian spaces. But meeting people at the Catholic university that I work at and just, like, hearing the way they analyze and interpret their faith was, like, really easier, much easier to swallow. So I think it was, like, once I started finding what well, was, like, comfortable for me, like, finding, for example, that magazine I was talking about, Inheritance, like, that's very progressive Christian. Like basically they didn't really mention God too much. It was like all social science and, you know, like their observations or their experience as a, an Asian American. And then like, maybe they'll have 
a sentence or two with God. So it was like comfortable for me. And I could share that with my parents as here is a Christian like magazine. Uh, Maybe like for advice, it's just basically storytelling. Like you have to find a bridge or a middle ground or something that will resonate with them. And I don't know if it's a personal story. I mean, that's something that they've experienced or Maybe I don't have advice for people. Never mind. <laughs> I, just like, and that's okay too. I mean, make it like not something I've known anyone really to do is to be like come this fraud in this Christian space <laughs> just so they could convince their parents <laughs> like to think like to to look into this. That's amazing, though, that you were able to do that. And I think that that is, I mean, hearing that story makes me feel like there is hope. <laughs> so I, I just need to figure out what my Christian magazine is. <laughs> <laughs> Lily was able to effectively communicate her ideas with her parents once she figured out the right language to use. In her case, it was Catholicism. As an atheist, she had to set aside her own beliefs to study theology further and seek out these magazines. And in doing so, Lily also overcame her preconceived notions of Catholics as well, by learning about all the priests and nuns working to change the injustices within the religion. So if you're struggling to have these conversations with friends or family, figure out what language to speak that will make them more open to listening. Who do they consider thought leaders? Whose opinions do they value? Do they respond well to stories or data? And be willing to admit the ways that you've been wrong as well. Once everyone is open to listening, the conversation can begin. Now, not only has Lily's relationship with her parents become mutually respectful, that's two less votes for Trump. So, to my fellow Filipino Americans, We cannot give our problematic family members a pass any longer. Change is possible, and we need to get to work. Thank you so much for listening. Links to the articles mentioned in this episode are in the show notes, as well as on storieswithsapphire.com. If you'd like to share your journey of overcoming your prejudices or how you've successfully helped others to, send me an email at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night.